Hey, comedy fans, welcome to another edition of The Comedy at the Carlson Cast. I'm your host, Vinny Paulino, and joining me in studio today, The Slam Man, Jay Moore. Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Three Heads Brewing, the makers of Rochester's most delicious beer. Drink responsibly, do good things, and always be kind. Let's start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is a man who started performing stand-up comedy stand-up comedy at 16 years old. He's an SNL alum. He's a movie star, for Pete's sake. He's authored two best-selling books. He's going to be headlining four more shows here at Comedy at the Carlson this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the slam man, Jay Moore. What is up? Hi, Jay baby. Moore. With my Rochester mug. I really, I mean it. When I'm in Rochester for the weekend, I mean it. I got a mug. I don't have really hair necessarily, but I have a mug, it. There it is. Enjoy. Jay, I have to compliment you on one thing. My favorite thing in the world. I love a good moniker, and you have the best moniker in stand-up, in my opinion. The Slam Man is the greatest nickname. It is pretty good. It's really good, Jay. I mean, what, who, who's going to compete with it? The cable guy? What are the we talking slam. about here? Do you know where that comes from? That's what I wanted to ask you. Where does it come from? Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard used to do like uh, infomercials for this uh, kind of like this stationary tackling dummy that you punched okay. in your house to train and it would light up like where you punched it and it was called the Slam Man. Okay. And I went on Jim Rome's radio show and I just kind of eviscerated the greatest boxer, not fighter, greatest boxer that ever lived, Sugar Ray Leonard. I'm like this, and then I just became the Slam Man after that. That's really funny. So it came from Jim Rome's show. Yeah, interesting. Was, I miss Romy. I, I haven't seen me Romy too. forever. It's on, uh, on the CBS radio. I don't get it in LA. Yeah, I used to listen to your radio show in Rochester all the time. Yeah, baby. More we sports, the, man. We changed the game. It was a lot of fun. That was the the most fun sports show. I agree. Today would have been Hip Hop Friday. It would have been. <laughs> it was Friday, Metal Monday, Handsome Tuesday. Armed Forces Wednesday, formerly Diamond Push-Up Wednesday. We had everybody banging them out. Every I didn't participate in that. Oh, me neither lately. And uh, then it was Positivity Thursday and then Hip Hop Friday to close us out. It was good. You did that show for three years. Yeah. And then you, you had to kind of walk away from it, huh? Well, they moved me from nine to... I took over for Jim Rome. Right. When he moved to CBS. And then I kept the affiliates, 155 markets. And then I got moved to noon. And then I got moved to noon. And then I wasn't on LA anymore. And I was like... It just felt like I kept getting demoted for a job well done. And I, you know, I could have handled it better. But I just... It's radio. You got to have radio stamina. And I didn't have it. I'm more of like a sprint guy, not a marathon guy. Like the same thing the every three day. three years, though, that you put in were high-paced, high energy. I hear you. Yeah. And it's just like how, how, many how many days can you talk about the Cowboys? Me, none. Oh! <laughs> I'm not talking about any playoff teams this year. What team is yours? Uh, the Miami Dolphins. Why'd they fire their coach, Brian Flores? That's racist, I, bro. I, yeah, yo, that's racism, Vinny. I heard it was because he told Tua that he would have rather have drafted Mac Jones. Who wouldn't? <laughs> Mac Jones, obviously, he's right. It was one of those things that they said really didn't create a good team atmosphere. In well, the, I, uh, the I also room. doubt the validity of the report. The 100%. Head, uh, head coach, you know what? It's just trying to separate the brothers, man. But that would get you fired, though, Divide. you would think. It depends on. Not, I don't know, man. That was a bad football team, and he turned it around. And he was what were they nine and eight this year? Nine and eight, and he got bounced. Uh -huh. 
Remember when he first took over, guys were just like actually quitting football instead of playing? A hundred percent. And he's like, bye-bye. They they went on a run. His first year, they thought they were they seven in a 16. row. Right? Yeah, they did seven in a row this year. His three years, he did well. Either we way, need, let's not oh, talk real football. Quick. Yeah, I do want to. Though. We need more brother head coaches, though. Agreed. And Mike Tomlin never having a losing season ever is like mind boggling. But what's more mind boggling, what I love about Mike Tomlin, head coach of the Steelers, is when he does the injury report. Yeah, he doesn't say the injury. He just says the body part. He goes, Ben got a neck. <laughs> Deontay got a hip. Two, in fact. Uh, Michael got a foot. I love it, though. It, it's he was, great. We do need more brotherhood. With his coaches. big eyes. He looks like Omar Epps on the sidelines. Um, Brian Flores is going to get hired up very quickly. But welcome back to Rochester. I love it. Welcome back. Glad to have you here. You're doing the straight out of rehab tour. That's right. And uh, there's a lot of uh, personal uh, thoughts and personal stories that you're sharing with us. You're doing something a little bit different. Not, not for me. I've always sort of shown all my dirty parts you know the things about me that most people would never admit in public i right. like to drag them out into the light and just have everybody laugh at them and having an intervention and going away to detox and two rehabs is definitely i feel like it gives me power over other comedians in the genre like nobody because most of them are drunk no it's just like i like there's an old jerry garcia quote don't be the best at what you do be the only one doing what you do there it is so i always try to feel satisfied that i'm the only one doing what i do like i'm the only one that's like well first of all to do what i do you have to be a drug addict and go to rehab <laughs> so <laughs> I, I got that over him okay scoreboard slam man one everyone in the field zero there it is yeah, it was, it was, I have to talk about it too, you know, in case I can reach somebody who feels hopeless or whatever, they can go like, wow, this guy's like actually enjoying his life and having a ball up there and let him know like how I was, I was out of show business, bro. Like, and it was 10 months ago. You're having a, you're having a rough go there for a while, man. I was out of it. I, uh, my intervention, my agent told me he wasn't going to book me anymore. And that just terrified me. And I found out, you know, I found out what my bottom was being the thing that you love more than your addiction, that you're not willing to trade your addiction for. And it was, wasn't my kids. It wow. wasn't my girlfriend. It wasn't my own well-being or safety. It was the thought of not doing stand-up comedy terrified me because, I mean, this is all I've been doing, Vinny, since I was 16. What am I yeah. going to get a job? Right. I'm going to go work at Lowe's. Somebody's like, hey, aren't you the guy from Jerry Maguire? Yeah, you wanted a Phillips head, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that would be very sad. That's humbling. So when they do an intervention for Jay Moore, what does that look like? Did they just, did they ambush you? Did it, was it a lot of family and friends? Was it like professional people you work with? What, how'd they do this? I was shocked that there was an intervention because I didn't think enough people love me to pull it off. Oh, no, no, no. Because I... When you, I was a speed freak, Adderall, and you, I used an isolation. And the more I used, the more like when I came out of the shadows, I was like super frenetic and unpredictable and it was, made everybody uncomfortable. So then they would get a little further away. So then I would use at them for not coming to visit me anymore. And then they would okay. see me less and less. I would use more drugs. And then every time they saw me and I came out of hiding, I was just more like all over the place. So... When it actually happened, I was actually kind of relieved. And about seven minutes into my intervention, I go, just so you guys know, I'm going. Because I actually prayed for an intervention because I just could not stop. I just could not stop wow. using drugs. Yeah. And they, t you know, you can't just tell a, a drug addict, 
like, hey, meet us. Because you can't outthink an addict. You can't just say, like, hey, we're all going to meet in Uncle Barry's living room tomorrow. When do you join us? The addict's like, mm, nah, something's Is up. Is there going to be Adderall? Something's up. Nah. So you got to lie to get the addict into the room. They told me from my podcast I was going to interview Riza and Ghostface Killer from Wu-Tang Clan for my podcast at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I was so high, I believed them. <laughs> I don't know if you listen to Ghostface, but he's not a morning he's not person. Not waking up at eight a.m. Yeah, he's not coming from an operation seminar Zoom at nine a.m. six a.m. and making his way over. Oh man! After his tea time. Yeah, he just uh, gets about eight, he gets around a nine in, comes out. Like I actually believe them, and I'm just a buddy of mine came downstairs. I was in my podcast studio. A buddy of mine came downstairs. My girlfriend came downstairs. This was in L.A. My sister from New Jersey came downstairs. My other sister from New Jersey came downstairs. And I'm like, wow, everybody's really excited to watch me interview Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> like, this is a good get. They didn't, re you didn't realize. No, I was out of my mind. And then I saw the interventionist and it was, oh, full stop. He was just like the Grim Reaper, this little meth guy. He was bald, had a swastika tattooed to his head. That was... He was having removed, but not, Charles Manson, but not your, fast enough. Was your interventionist? No, some guy named Jimmy, and uh, I saw he he looked so much like him. He was a former meth head, but he was still carrying the torch for the look. <laughs> and uh, when they took me to detox, I was wearing I was like 170 pounds. I was wearing a USA Wrestling sweatsuit. I looked like a Dupont. <laughs> and I'm so happy to be with a comedian. And then. Uh, when they took me to detox, they actually thanked me and brought him inside. That's wild. And I'm like looking around. I'm in like horse. I'm in like horse country. Like there's no one for miles. Like, I'm hey, looking for me. Come on back. In. And I'm like, keep an eye on him. He's got some stories. Oh, I'm like no. now where do I go? But, so were you tempted at all? Like when you're doing this, when they come down to do the intervention, to just hit record? Because you're like, they're in your podcast studio. Did you ever think? Maybe oh no, because I don't even know how to work my own podcast. I have a I have a person do it. I got Elena. Good job, Elena. Thank you. Well, are we rolling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to make sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She didn't tell anybody. So this was 10 months ago. Yeah. And here you are, man, a changed it's... guy. Feeling, you feel different? You feel good? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm 50 pounds heavier, which is my roommate in rehab did 19 years in jail for murder. Armando. <laughs> Armando. And that... Uh, he had loyalty tattooed to his stomach, but he also gained 50 pounds, so now it says Loyola Marymount. <laughs> hey -o! Loyola Marymount, okay. I remember, like, he did 19 years in jail because he was, like, a gangbanger, and he, he uh, the gang, uh, violence, not sexual. Right. Right. Uh, and they're like, Got it. lights out at 11. I was like, hey, maybe tonight you don't turn the lights out, you know, because I'm next to a murderer here. There's a tissue box between us. What the hell? You could have it. <laughs> you right. have the tissue box. Yeah. But yeah, it was 10 months ago. It was March, excuse me, March 11th was my intervention. I went to detox. I went to a rehab in Orange County. And then after that, I went to a second rehab in um, in uh, Sausalito, California. Interesting. Now, you said something earlier that I've been wanting to ask you about for a while. You started doing comedy at 16. Oh. That's a that's interesting to have a perspective on life at 16. I got to find out what was Jay Moore's like 16 year old comedy set about. It wasn't good. Uh, I said I was uh, I'm an athletic kid. I'm captain of the miniature golf team at school. Okay. Okay. I was out last year with an injury. I got hit by a windmill. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was a bedwetter, but I did it from the top of my dresser. 
Okay. Just jokes. There's See, that's no. What I, that's what I love. That's what I want to know. Like, because I've seen sixteen-year-old kids show up at like the it was bad. we have here it at was Carlson, bad. and they don't do jokes. What they do now, Jay, is like, you know, my mom said to me the other day, and like, not even jokes, just like long stories. About well, that's her. like what I do now. It's funny. Yeah, but you have experience. Yeah, I had no experience. I was a wrestler and a drug addict. I was born an addict, you know, so I was just kind of like this weird fit in with everybody, but not really with anybody sort of guy. Mm -hmm. So I was just, I used to watch stand-up comedy all the time. I'd like record Letterman, uh, Johnny Carson, Leno. I would just always devour it on those old VHS tapes that were four oh, yeah. hours long. I would put it in before bed and just record the whole network like all the way through until the tape ran out just to get that like four and a half minutes of stand up and watch it and watch it and watch it. And then I was watching this public access stand up show from West Orange, New Jersey, the next town over. And mm -hmm. then I loved it. They would have their comics on like public access TV. And then there was this commercial that said, if you're a teenager and you want to do comedy, come on down to Rascals Comedy Club. On It was a Sunday at noon. And I didn't drive yet because you got to be 17 to drive in Jersey. So my brother, James, my brother, my buddy, James Barone drove me. Okay. And you're doing stand-up for other teenagers and their parents, like maybe 18 people Were total. you trying jokes out on them in the car? I don't remember, but it, it seems like I would. Yeah. It seems foolish not to. But also, I've learned, like, when you try jokes out on people, they don't ever laugh. And it it can really be discouraging. It's the worst decision to make, I think. Yeah, you just got to trust. Like, I tell comics, like, when they go, I don't know if it's funny, I always just say, if you thought of it and you want to do it, it's funny. Right. Like, if you had a story, or and they'll go, like, well, I'm going to go try it out a couple places, and I'm like, like, if you and me went to breakfast this morning and the waiter did something ridiculous and you were telling the story, you wouldn't go, like, let me try the story out somewhere else. Correct. Like, you want to tell the story because something significant happened. So you just got to trust that compass inside that it's going to be funny. So now I don't really. Plus, my stuff's, like, all so bizarrely out of context. And it's, <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't. I don't know. Okay. So we've established you're back in Rochester. You're 50 pounds heavier. Oh, my But God. you are drug-free and you're happy. Yeah. You're, you're feeling good about that. You're talking about your life. You started out very young. You're an experienced guy. You're taking all of this and putting it into this one type of... Are, is this going to be a special? The Straight out of Rehab show? Is this going to be a one-man yeah. show? Like, I think it's more of a one-man show than stand-up special, but I only have like 15 minutes of rehab stuff, so I really should do a little more writing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very... I I, uh, I fall into sloth real easily i had a false positive COVID test a couple weeks ago okay and it was astounding how quickly i just got into that routine of laying in bed all day watching netflix i loved it everyone's like oh i got a quarantine i'm like that sounds like heaven for me i love it just though. laying around watching the full season of narcos who doesn't want to do that though everybody that gets COVID, all of a sudden you want to go out and skydive people get COVID, they're like oh now i can't scuba at the great barrier reef now great <laughs> It's like, I don't think you were doing that. God damn COVID. I can't even go to the supermarket. What, the thing you were complaining about before you got COVID? Were you, uh, back when you were a kid and you were watching TV, were you an SNL fan? Oh, yeah, obsessively. I remember in high school, I used to watch it. It was the Dick Ebersole years with, uh, you know, like Martin Short, Jim Belushi, Christopher Guest, those, oh, wow, Billy Crystal. It's an overlooked time, I think. Like, I don't think people necessarily go back and look at that as closely as they should. I think it's the funniest two years. It's up there. Like, it's it's the funniest. For me, it's so 
performance driven like at a table read most of those sketches would never make it to air like when i was on or yeah like ed Grim- how do you get ed grimley how do you pitch ed grimley <clears throat> like i'm a guy with weird hair and i go like this yeah. and i dance around and i love wheel of fortune it's like yeah, that sounds great. Now, didn't he originally pitch that for uh, SCTV? Wasn't that originally no a Canadian bit that he did? Wouldn't surprise me. So he's, he's one of my favorites, Martin, Martin Short. Short. Hell yeah. My favorite thing he did was Jackie Rogers Jr., $100,000 jackpot wad. He was an albino lounge was, singer. Yeah, I remember Jackie Rogers. Okay. Wow. And uh, Christopher. With the long, weird hair. Yeah, albino yep. hair. And yep. then Christopher Guest was a gay detective. Like, <laughs> yes, I've been known to wear a disguise or two. Are you a detective? I've been known to carry a piece. And Jim Belushi was Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> and Billy Crystal was <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. Holy shit. Yeah, I gotta go nuts. back and watch that. So I feel like everybody, though, has their two years of like SNL that they love because it was like SNL when they loved it. Yeah, that's when I was in high school. And I remember when wrestling came on on a Saturday, that was when NBC first was showing back then WWF wrestling, like Saturday. one Saturday a month. Yep. And I loved pro wrestling, but I remember being cripplingly disappointed when it wasn't SNL. I was like, oh, Big John Studd, who cares? Right. Any other time would be great, but that was like a special, special appointment for me to watch Saturday Night Live. I could handle Big John Studd at 9 p.m. Eastern. Right, right, right. Yeah. I yeah, but don't, I don't want it to get in the way of, you know, my Ed Grimley face. The he, the you the fucking up the show for me. Right. So... You made it to SNL, which is I amazing. Did. You spent two years there. Ironically, another two years of just uh, fun right. stuff. You wrote a book about it. I did. Gasping for airtime. Gasping for airtime. And I have to ask you, the lineup was stacked when you were there. Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, David Spade, Rob Schneider, Tim Meadows, Julia Sweeney, Phil Hartman, Ellen Cleghorn, and the new people were were me, Sarah Silverman, Dave Attell, and Norm MacDonald. Yeah. 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 It was me and David Tell shared an office. We didn't get much done. <laughs> like, we didn't know, like, how to hand in sketches or anything. We're writing on yellow legal pads. They, you, they just put you guys in an office together and said, make magic? Yeah, it's it, not a lot is explained to you there. I think that's sort of the hazing process. It's not, you know, I always hear, I don't ever hear about it, but I always get asked about, like, how cutthroat it is. Yeah. And I did not experience it being cutthroat. It's just it made sense to me that you want to get your sketch on, I want to get my sketch on, and somebody else makes the decision as to whether or not it gets on. It's not me versus right. you. It's us versus the machine. Would you say it's more, it's not so much cutthroat as it is sink or swim? Like yeah, it's definitely sink or swim. And, and I, I mostly sank because I didn't handle it well because I was a drunk, you know. And I remember once somebody told me, to go office to office and just try out my impressions on the writers and i was i was a gog like don't you know who i am like i'm not gonna walk into offices and do my routines but that's exactly what i should have done right because they don't know you do harvey Keitel or they don't know like what it's in your bag of tricks unless they know right so it's not up to them the writers to be like Hey, I wonder if JJ could do impressions of, you know, blank. It's it's not like Daryl Hammond and me have been doing Daryl Hammond and I, excuse me. <laughs> Daryl Hammond Jay. We're Rochester. Let's do some grammar. Uh, Daryl Hammond and I have been doing these shows where it's impressions only. Right. And it's it's really fun. 
and uh i would love to see that show he uh he actually his sean connery is because he walked into will ferrell's office and did it like just walked in and goes not a fan of the ladies are you Trebek? <laughs> and they just wrote him into the sketch i'll take famous titties for 200 but then you got a guy like norm mcdonald who was in those oh who didn't even God. do an impression no it, it's he, yeah norm's sort of he's such a dog whistle okay for okay. comedy colin quinn's like that too david it's just it's such its own rhythm like we're all playing in fours and they come in and they're playing in fives you but know, it works yeah it's like we're all doing rock and roll and they come in and do jazz and we all the comics are like whoa what's this yeah norm did not want to be in any sketches at all i've heard that it was great it, norm would i learned like it, it, well, it took me a while to catch on my second season i learned that you could do a fake pitch when you were pitching ideas if you didn't have an idea you just pitched something that was your fake pitch and norm's fake pitches were better than my actual pitches Oh, no. Like, I got an idea for a show. You live at the top of one of those runaway truck ramps, you know? <laughs> yeah, and every night a truck comes, like, through your uh, living room. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a good idea. That's uh, fantastic. You know you do great. a great norm. I've heard. You've heard. That's fantastic. It's on all the message boards. Remind me to toss out that mug. Can I keep this mug? You can keep that mug. My gift to you. It's not your mug. It is my mug. Oh, thank you. I accept. Enjoy. <laughs> it's very effeminate creamer you gave me. It's coconut. Coconut cream. Delightful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's not meeting your standards. In the, I didn't say that. In the, you look a little like James Corden in the monitor. I get that a lot. I love that guy. Worst thing that ever love happened you. to me. What? It's just people say it to me all the time. They Why don't, is that a bad thing? I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, it's awful to be. I, it's better than what they used to say. They used to say I look like the effeminate guy from Modern Family. What's his name? A little name? bit. Yeah, I get that. I get uh, I get uh, Fat Bob the Bachelor. Or Ryan Reynolds in the fat suit. I get that sometimes, too. Augustus Gloop. Augustus Gloop. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Richter. Little Andy Richter. I uh, was in a... Little Andy Richter. I was in a drive-thru. And they came Did you say out. little Andy Richter? Yeah, is a, that little, like a, a little Andy Richter. Is that like, oh okay? I think it was like L I L apostrophe Andy Richter, like he was like he was a blues man or something. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome little Andy Richter. Ladies and gentlemen, to the stage, little Andy Richter. Going through a drive-through and they popped like three people from the back, like, "Is it him? Is it him?" Because they thought I was James Corden in Chicago. It was weird. You should have played that up, darling. Would I, you like to do carpool karaoke? Come on in and sing a song with me. We're listening to the Ramones. You just, you're in a white castle. <laughs> I'm holding court. What's you know, this Ramones you speak of? You know, uh, Steven Tyler used to do that. People used to think he was Mick Jagger. <laughs> he would just play it up and throw out a British accent. That's great. So, who was the funniest guy you were in the room with at SNL, in oh, your Chris opinion? Chris Farley, like, absolutely. 100% Chris? Out of all those names, Chris Farley? Oh, it's not even close. Okay. He was magic. Like, he was a sprite from the woods. He just you were powerless over him like when he he would like make you laugh during sketches when the camera was on you he'd go cross-eyed when he was saying his lines he tried to mess up your wig and like he tossed your hair to make your wig crooked see those are the things that make it like someone beloved i don't think anyone ever been as good as chris farley on that show like eddie murphy was an event yep but he, i wasn't powerless over eddie murphy like chris farley was just he was a hurricane like he was just 
the greatest ever. Well, I can't argue it. I can't argue it. He's oh, yeah, try. Okay. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> what <on>. about scoreboard? <laughs> Slam Man Two. <laughs> Score number two. Okay. So over Norm, over all those other guys, Farley's the funniest. Yeah. Okay. You were there, man. I'm asking you. I just yeah, but you're to... a fan. Don't you fan. think so? Huge fan. Who's funnier than Chris? I don't know. I just wanted. I just was just wondering yeah. your thought process. Yeah, yeah. I, well, don't, I not... don't have a different opinion. Well, that's the thing with Chris is there was no thought process. Like thought process. Like he just walked into a room and you just it was like you got excited. It was like a, it was like fire trucks coming through when you're a little kid. It was like, oh. Chris is here. Yeah, my first time I ever met him, I was in the writer's room. It was summertime. And uh, he walks into the room, and uh, Jim Downey goes, Chris, get back here. Meet the new guy, Jay Moore. And Chris walks into the writer's room, fake trips, and puts his head in my lap like he's blowing me. And just goes, bah! and then fake vomits all over me. And then he gets up and goes, hey, and walks out. That's hysterical. So the first time I met Chris Farley was here. Here. <laughs> he was here. That's wild. Yeah, that's... that's story. That's... That's just insane. That's Talk a about a guy that didn't care about, like, what you thought of... But he did care what you thought of him. But he needed... I, I, it, it's its own show. Okay. Okay. He Can was I, magic. I got one more SNL question for you. Did Lord Michaels... Just talking with Lorne Michaels. Did he ever make you laugh? Did Lorne no. Michaels ever tell a joke or tell do I've anything never heard him to tell try a to... joke. He was very. I thought he was really cool. Like I, I've heard that. I've heard he's like a great, cool. Well, see, guy. when I was coming up, everyone had like these Lorne Michaels horror stories. Like right. he hired me. You know what I mean? Like out of the entire world, he went. I would like that one. Have him washed and sent to my tent. <laughs> I love him for that. Sure, but I'm just wondering if no, the man he never, himself is funny. If the guy like cracks jokes at I people. think he's more like a funny conduit than a funny projector. You know, I think he's just kind of processes the funny and rearranges it and puts it places. It's a weird genius, right? It's it a is. A I mean, it's the longest running show in the history of television, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, like, I don't know any other show where, like, the executive producers cast it keep it to time there's always it always gets outsourced like there's the guy that just mm -hmm. there's the mm -hmm. unit production manager that keeps track of the cost of everything there's the stage managing director that keeps track of the time yep. there's the producers that keep track of the content there's and he just does, does all it. of it all the time yeah that's amazing it sure is i just i always i look at that guy and there's like a mystique and i just always want to know more yeah me too yeah, yeah. there's still a mystique. <laughs> yeah, yeah i, I was like how he does it is sort of like he's going to take it to his grave like no one really knows how he pulls this off every week it's the shows under the gun every week the schedule for the show is built on people in the 70s like doing blow all night and staying up all night and partying and writing and rock and roll but that's not how people act anymore but he's kept that work ethic up for 40 years right but he's not even there he's not like cracking a whip Right. He's at the other end of the building in his office taking phone calls from, you know, like Dick Cheney's office. And you're just like in the other end of the office going like, I got to get my sketch in. I got to get my sketch in. It's really fascinating. Uh, listen, man. Daryl Hammond tells this great story, the show we're doing, where 
Tracy Morgan says to Daryl, like, we got to have some FaceTime with the man. We got to go say hi to Lauren Michaels out of respect, like a mafia boss, D. Okay. So they go into Lauren Michaels' office, they make an appointment, and they're sitting there for like a half hour. And during that half hour, Dick Cheney's office calls, call him back. Mick Jagger calls, call him back, I'm with Daryl and Tracy. And then when they leave, Tracy looks at Daryl and goes, Yo, D, there ain't no eye rolling up in that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I love it. There ain't no eye rolling. Nope. No, there oh, ain't no eye rolling shit. up in that. So I have to ask you this question. Please tell me the truth because oh. you are living a dream in a lot of ways. Uh, please tell me about the perks of dating an NBA franchise owner. <laughs> please tell me about the perks, please. Like, do you get to like shopping spree? Talk about me and Mark Cuban. Yeah. How's that going? It's pretty gay. Good. Good. Um, I'm so in love that it's the perks. I'm just in love, buddy. Okay. We are in love. But, That's great. You know, I get great seats. Sure, sure. But do you get, get to get... supermarket, get sweep, like, the team store? Do you have to go in and just grab jerseys and shit? Oh, I don't have to go to the store. They come home. Okay, okay. You know, like, oh, here's a backpack of stuff. It's, um... Yeah, it's it's beneath the relationship to even talk about perks. I'm, it's just right, so fair enough. It's a great question. It, I mean, you are living a dream. In I a get lot to of sit ways. second row at games, right? That's pretty freaking. But cool. the fact that I get to sit next to her is the where the seat is becomes inconsequential. Like that's my girl. Like I'm 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 in that relationship. Like Jay she, Moore is positively smitten, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking at his face. <laughs> Look at Dan clapping. He's just gritted from ear to ear. Oh, I'm so in love. Can you send her this tape? A hundred percent. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. We'll make sure we tag GD Bus of this later. You got it. You got it. So Yeah, I'm in love. That's awesome. And she's in love with me to the best of my understanding. How are the kids doing? The kids. Yeah. My kids. Yeah. Uh they're great. Awesome. My son had COVID, but he uh, he goes back and forth between me and his mom's, and he actually got it at his mom's. I dodged that bullet, but it was just a bummer. I would go over to his mom's house in the little courtyard, and he'd come out on the balcony like Romeo and Juliet, and we would just talk. Wherefore art thou, father? Father! Wherefore art thou, father? Did you bring me candy? That's hysterical. Did you bring me Pokemon cards? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Kids go crazy for... I, have you ever met a kid that knows how to play that stupid game? Yes. Really? My nephew knows how to is do he the Korean? magic and the Pokemon. What is he? Is he Korean? No. <laughs> no, he's a little doughy white kid. Okay. Yeah. I'm doing. I figured that's who's got to learn how to use those. I but mean, they make the rules up as they go. They're like, oh, I got Chauncey. He's worth more than Charizard because Charizard evolved from Dugong. Yeah. It's like my kid's on acid. Yeah. I mean, that's the new level of nerd right there, man. Yeah, it's it's. I like them. Like I remember back in the day, like you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember an issue number thirty six of Spider Man when the Punisher showed up for the first time." Now it's like, you don't know about Dugan. <laughs> you don't know. Charizard, he's a rock type, right? He uh, he has fire water power that's on negative sixteen damage. If like, if aliens came down, they would just think we were all on acid all the time. Like my son and me having a conversation about playing uh, Mario Kart. Okay. It's like, yeah, but I couldn't find any mushrooms when I was the gorilla. <laughs> like, just that sentence. Like, when I was the gorilla, I couldn't find any mushrooms. You kept driving over them when you were in the dune buggy on the piano. Yeah. 
It's like, what? It's probably to come into play when they decide whether or not to take over the Here's my plan when the aliens come. You always hear about the aliens doing anal probes. Yes. Big fan. I sound like Norm. You always hear about aliens doing anal probes, right? Right. So when the aliens come down, I'm going (laughs) to... When the aliens come down, if I ever have like a one-on-one spaceship alien experience, I'm going to immediately pull down my pants, bend over, and spread my cheeks. And they'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I heard you guys anal probe. And they'll hopefully go, yeah, but now you made it weird. Yeah. Yeah. We used to do that like in the 80s, man. No, you made it weird, but you're not supposed to like be willing. I'll be like, come on, give it up. And they'll be like, "Mm." see, I don't try bits out on people. I know it's funny, but you're straight facing me. Now I'm uncomfortable. I'm no selling you. I'm no selling like a motherfucker. I can't believe how fat I am. I thought this new diet of black shirt was going to work for me today. I got to tell you, from years of experience, just accentuates the titties. The black shirt. Wiggins curse on this? Yeah, if you want. Wow, you're the one dropping titties everywhere. I can't. I don't know. Is that a curse? Uh, it doesn't make you look any older. Good point. Good point. <laughs> you're a cutie pie, man. You're a sweetheart. Jane Moore, ladies and gentlemen, four more shows here at the Carlson. You get your tickets right now, carlsoncomedy.com. Jay, before you go, uh, well, before you go, last question. Yes, can, you, can you give me a good Bob Saget story? I knew you guys were friends. Bob Saget was on my podcast. I used to do it out of my garage in the Palisades. Uh, and my, I had a babysitter. I'm like, I need the house for an hour. I need you guys to get lost. And she goes, okay. My son was like an infant. So we go a little long. It's like an hour and five minutes. And the babysitter comes back through the gate into the house. And my son, he's hungry. He starts crying, uh-huh. like wailing. And mid-sentence, Bob Saget goes, well, that's the thing. When you, somebody just gave birth to a baby in the driveway. <laughs> I He's a quick dude, man. I love him. Present tense. Yeah. It's hard not to not to love the guy. I've never met him before in my life. I, I wanted to. I missed his last shows here. He was just Carlson. one of those guys when you met him, you were friends. Like, nobody's got a... No one has a bad thing to say about Bob. Yeah. And if they do, it says a lot about them. He was just wonderful. Yeah. He was a good guy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can see Jay Moore here at the Carlson this weekend. You could also see him in the second row of Lakers games if you pay attention. And uh, Jay... Uh, your newest specials out now? Where's it? Altamont. Altamont. Yeah, I, I recorded that very high, so it's it's definitely interesting to watch. How do you feel about it now, looking back on it sober? It's it's uh, it's amazing how great I am. I could pull that off. To be honest with you, <laughs> I was railed out on Adderall. I was high as a giraffe's ass, and there's a reason my hand's in my pocket and it stays there. Because if I took my hand out of my pocket, I don't know what I'd be doing with my arms. Now you need to go watch the special. Yeah, actually, that should be the selling point. Like, this is his last special. That's why I named it Altamont, because I was a mess. That's, That's of course, the yep, concert Stone the Stones concert. did, and the Hells Angels murdered a guy in the front row. Well, Mick Jagger was singing. And, but, yeah, Mick Jagger's doing, like, that hippie crap, like, children, please, there's so many of you, back up, please. And then Keith just goes, that cat right there, man, cool it. <laughs> He's just a pirate. I mean, the freaking Hells Angels were powerbobbing people in front of the stage. It was just completely out of Paid control. Paid him in beer. The guy on acid staring at Mick doing his werewolf impression. Oh, it's a great And then video. some guy runs up to shoot Mick Jagger. <laughs> And by the grace of God, some hell's angel just catches him and stabs him in the neck on camera. Guys, guy stands out. He's wearing a lime. It's a black guy wearing a lime green suit. That's right. He's surrounded by shirtless him. hippies with a pistol. It's like way to blend in. <laughs> Jesus, you should have just worn your your leather vest and your moccasins. You would have been better off. I guess so. I don't know. Well, ladies and gentlemen. 
This has been a fun episode of the Carlson Cast. We'll be back next week with April Macy. We hope you join us. Until then, act right, Rochester, and uh, hopefully we'll see you here at a show with Jay Moore this weekend. Thanks again, Jay. Thank you, Vinny. Love you, buddy. Love you back. Okay. Thank you for being awesome and watching another episode of the Carlson Cast. Don't forget we're streaming live on Facebook and YouTube every Friday morning. You could also follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at CarlsonCast. You can listen anytime on iTunes, Google Play, and we're now available on Spotify. You should also check out an amazing app called Laughable. And on the Laughable app, you can connect to your favorite comedians in a way you never thought you could before. Download it in the App Store and visit carlsoncast.com for information on more shows. And don't be a jerk. Rate and review.